When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game one. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is finally Friday. Thank God. October 27th, 2023. Game one of the World Series is tonight. We are 12 hours and three minutes away as of the time of this recording, though we're live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. Players are sleeping. Executives are staring at the ceiling, waiting to get to the ballpark. Always get to the ballpark early, game one of a playoff series, game one of a World Series for sure, just to take it in. You see the stenciling on the field. There'll be World Series stenciling. There's bunting up in the stadium in Arlington, Texas. And you're imagining what will happen over the next seven games. I want to give you a bit of a preview of the World Series with my predictions and wait to sees. But I'd like to just point out that the Arizona Diamondbacks have no TV deal. There is going to be a popular thing written that winning the pennant, which the Diamondbacks have won, and maybe even winning the World Series is going to be a great boon to their local TV revenue. Bally Sports Arizona, bankrupt. Diamondbacks games produced by Major League Baseball. Revenue for the Diamondbacks guaranteed in 2023 of only 80% of what their contractually obligated revenue was going to be from the network. The guarantee for 2024? Eh, we don't know. Where the Diamondbacks will be on local TV in 2024? We don't know. Will MLB all of a sudden give the Diamondbacks more money to do their games because they won the pennant? No chance toilet pants. There is no correlation between your TV deal and making it to the World Series. Because guess what network doesn't get to show the World Series? Your local TV regional sports network. So don't make the mistake that where the money's made, here's where it happens. You get to sell your World Series which the Nationals didn't get to do really because of COVID, but you get to sell your World Series. So season tickets are gonna go up and that will enable the Diamondbacks payroll to go up, except it is doubtful that season ticket revenue will go up in the amount greater than the TV revenue going down. It is such unfortunate timing for the snakes. But you get more season ticket holders, you get to increase your prices, so while your team is in the World Series, the president of the team, Derek Call, congratulations, is working furiously setting prices. In theory, you're supposed to do your next year's season ticket prices in August. But what you do to protect against the possibility of a successful end of your current season 
is you give season ticket renewal prices and you have those renewal prices expire, let's say, November 1st. So you let people renew season tickets at a price when you don't know whether the team is going to make the playoffs or you don't know how deep a run the team is going to have in the playoffs. But then you take advantage of a surprise run, which is what the D-backs have had, and you upsell it. And you do the same thing with your corporate sales only for deals that have expired. When you sign a naming rights deal, so the Diamondbacks play in Chase Field, Chase doesn't pay more money when you make the World Series. When you have a three-year outfield wall sign, it's like a free agent or a, or a player signed to a long-term deal. Just because the player wins an MVP during the course of a deal, all of a sudden, that player doesn't get more money. That player may have bonuses, which kick in if you win the World Series MVP. Side note, I love giving that as a huge bonus. We negotiate with agents, and the standard package for a contract in baseball is $250,000 for World Series MVP or LCS MVP. And I was happy to give players $2 million for World Series MVP because you're not the World Series MVP unless you win the World Series. And I always knew that if we won the World Series, we would have millions of dollars of increased revenue, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars of ability to do things, improvements around the stadium, improvements to the payroll, sign more players on the amateur side. Believe it or not, budget to sign players at higher numbers at AAA. That's something that doesn't get talked about at all. The richest teams get the best minor league free agents because when you're a minor league free agent and you sign a deal to play a AAA for depth, you can sign a guy for 50 grand a month. You can sign a guy for 20 grand a month. You can sign a guy for 100 grand a month. And we always had a very tight budget for those type of minor league free agents. And as you know, that sort of depth actually matters. So in any case, the Diamondbacks, you don't get an increase in corporate sales at all uh, unless there's empty inventory. Then you can go out with a higher rate card after you win the World Series. So for renewing deals that have expired at the end of 23 or for empty spots you have in your stadium. The other thing that we would do when we were in the playoff run, which was many of the years, contrary to what people think, or when we actually won the whole thing, is you create other corporate sponsorship areas in your ballpark. You find areas that have not been, oh, Coca, what is the word? You find uh, you find areas that have not been exploited. Thank you. you. Let's do that clean. 4, 8, 69. The other thing you do when you're in the World Series or when you have a chance to play deep into October and you want to take advantage of that with your corporate partners is you look for areas in your ballpark that have not been exploited, like just areas without a sign. And you say, hey, we can put a sign there and we can charge more for that than we do for our other signs because we're coming off a competitive season where we expect to have more fans next year and we expect to have more national TV exposure next year. So it's going to be interesting to see how Arizona takes advantage because they are in the middle of not just trying to get a new TV deal. They're also in the middle of trying to get their ballpark renovated. During the course of this season, there were times when Derek Hall was forced to say things and have contentious moments with the public entities in Arizona. 
both the county and the state. And the hope is that their success this October is going to grease the wheels for a deal, but it doesn't really work that way. So the Diamondbacks have a ton of off-field issues to take care of. They are definitely distracted by this coming week, as they should be, because they have game one. Now, Friday night game one, today is Friday. And we are, in my opinion, 18, 28, 38, 37 minutes away from having a great weekend, except I'm going to be at CBS doing pre and post game. All World Series, CBS Sports HQ, check it out. And there was a change made not too many years ago for when the World Series is played. My World Series started on a Saturday. By starting the World Series on a Friday and you pick the days of a World Series, you choose the days of a World Series along with Fox. Guess what Fox doesn't want to have on Sunday night if you just had to formulate a guess? They would prefer not to have a baseball game going up against Sunday night football. You can't not have it on Thursday and Sunday and Monday, but think about the schedule. World Series is Friday and Saturday. No NFL. Take Sunday off. They play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Interesting. You are against Monday night football, but that's it. Then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then they're off Thursday, Thursday night football, and game six and seven is next Friday and Saturday. So the schedule, while MLB will never admit this, and Fox will not want to talk about it, is a nod to the behemoth that is the NFL. So we are here on a Friday, not distracted by anything other than Friday Night Lights, and maybe that's a real thing in Texas, though I doubt it is. I mean, it is a real thing, but I don't think it's going to get in the way of the World Series. And so let me tell you a couple things to watch for for this World Series. Who's playing Monday Night Coca? I didn't hear you say it again, please. Oh, the Raiders and the Lions. Okay, not exactly a marquee matchup, though the Lions are having a great year with that knee-smashing coach of theirs, Dan Campbell, who's not going to make it. And the Las Vegas Raiders, I can't think of anyone on their team at the moment. I was going to say Derek Carr, but I think he's gone. Is it Garoppolo? And I don't know if he's even playing. Anyway, I don't want to digress about Monday Night Football. We're here to talk about the World Frickin' Series. When any of your friends or family or any of the people you work with, if you're in a group text chain and people are saying, no, no one cares about this year's World Series. It's the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Let's not even talk about it. Guess what? Tell them to pound sand. Give them the following things to watch for and tell them that they're going to see not just great baseball, but they're going to fall in love with certain of the characters. If you are even a moderate baseball fan and you understand how important pitching is because you listen to nothing personal, wait till you see the Diamondbacks bullpen. You haven't heard of the guys, but when you see Thompson pitch in the fifth or sixth inning during this series, and you're going to wonder how it's possible that you can release a pitch when your fingers are practically getting dirty and he's this big, lanky righty who's throwing sliders that the right-handed batters can't even touch and the lefties think it's coming right at their eye. That's fun to watch. And then they come in with this guy, Sal Frank. He's a rookie. He's a lefty. He doesn't give up runs. He finally gave up some runs in this postseason but hadn't given up any runs in his whole career. I mean, of course, he hasn't played long. But that just sets the table for this guy named Ginkle. Ginkle, 
this guy looks like he belongs in some sort of lumberjack beer commercial, except he comes onto the mound and you look at him and you say, why is it that no one's getting hits off him? Because they're not, because they can't. And he's only the eighth inning guy. Then they bring in this guy from the Mariners, where the Mariners are totally despondent. The Mariners traded Seawald to the Diamondbacks at the deadline. Seawald doesn't throw 100. He doesn't have a knee-buckling knockdown slider. His breaking stuff is not that sharp. Here's what he has. He has this rising fastball, and that's sort of a, a pedestrian way to say it. But he pitches 92, 93, 94, and hitters look at it and say, wow, that looks like it's 99, 100, or 101. And the only thing that Seawall does that other closers don't do, he doesn't give up runs. So the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, if they've got a lead from their starters, and they've got a starting rotation, Zach Gallen, who you're going to see tonight, Merritt Kelly, who may be better than Gallen, and then their third starter, Fott, is better than both of them, and he's a rookie. You somehow get it to that bullpen, they're going to win, and it's fun to watch. And that's only after you see the lineup and you say, I've never heard of that guy, that guy, that guy. I've never heard of one player on the team except the slapping guy. That's what people are saying who aren't big baseball fans. Hey, don't they have the guy that went because of fantasy into the outfield during batting practice and then slapped the guy and then he went to the Mets, then the Mets traded him? Yeah, that's him, Tommy Pham. Total liability defensively. I don't actually want to see him start that many games, but I haven't seen the lineup tonight. I don't think they've released it yet. Coke, have they released the game one lineups yet against Evaldi? Do you know? Tommy Pham is maybe the one guy you've heard of. But I'm going to give you another name to hear of. And it's called Marte. Don't worry about his first name. He leads off. He's the longest tenured Diamondback. He was the MVP of the LCS. And all he does is hit and hit and run and run. The Diamondbacks are a speedy team. They do hit and run. They steal bases. They create chaos on the base pass. And before you know it, they've got runners in scoring position, and eventually you're going to get a hit with runners in scoring position, which means eventually you're going to score runs. They got shut out in game two against Philly, 10-0. They rebounded immediately in game three. Obviously, they won four to five after losing the first two. The rookie Corbin Carroll didn't win the MVP, but the rookie Corbin Carroll is, he's got this funny looking mustache. Mustaches must be in right now. So he's got this funny looking mustache and he was born to be a baseball player, except he doesn't look like a baseball player. He looks like just another guy. You'd walk down the street and you wouldn't even think twice. If he had a kid over his shoulders, you just assume that he's just another dad. If he's holding, I picture Corbin Carroll with the helmet that has the stri- that has the straws that go to your mouth that are full of beer, or the guy walking around Disney with necklaces and pins holding double barreling. That's how I picture Corbin Carroll, maybe on some sort of lawnmower. But guess what? I'm wrong. Corbin Carroll is a player. And that's not even getting to the guy with purple hair, a guy named Guriel. You'll see him. If you're a Marlins fan, you know about Yuli Guriel. This is Lourdes Guriel. So you can tell that I'm pretty pro Diamondbacks. Until we get to the Rangers and you look at the top of their lineup for a half a million dollars, half a billion dollars, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seeger, 
Corey Seager, who's had an amazing playoffs, overshadowed by Adelise Garcia, who is not even arbitration eligible yet. 30-year-old cast off from other teams, and yet he is the center of a World Series playing team. Clean up. It's remarkable. So there's pitching, there's hitting. There's a great manager story, Bruce Bochy. The guy was retired. The guy was going goo-goo-gaga with his grandchildren. He has three rings already, and yet he, he has come back, and this is his first year, and he has Texas in the World Series for the first time since 2011 trying to win their first ever World Series. Can you imagine being fans of a franchise and they've never won a World Series? And then people in Miami or New York or Boston complaining? I find it to be ridiculous. How about the fact that both teams lost 100 games two years ago? Never happened that you lose 100 games in a world, and then two years later in the World Series, both teams. It's remarkable. But you're going to hear from the haters. These are two of the worst teams to ever play in the World Series. They have the smallest number of combined victories of any two teams who have ever played in the World Series. These are markets where MLB is despondent beyond repair. Ignore the hate, ignore the negativity. And how about enjoying this World Series? And if you're from New York, why don't you revel in the fact that one of your former players, two of your former players are playing again. One of them is going to get a ring, I just realized. One of Tommy Pham and Max Scherzer are going to get a ring. How about Jacob DeGrom may get a ring? you got to be super excited about that if you're a Mets fan. I would think that Steve Cohn is doing the Snoopy dance. He's so happy for Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom and Tommy Pham. He must have a tear in his eye. So how's it going to end? With tears and a journey. The journeys to the White House, tears are for what might have been and what may never be. I disrespected the Diamondbacks last round. Picking the Phillies in five. I'm a prize fool, not realizing how similar the Diamondbacks were to our Marlins of 03. They're young. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to just win, baby, because that's what they do. Diamondbacks, seven games. That's two different ways to seize Coca because I don't want to hear your crap when the Astros win in seven and I had them winning in six and therefore I end up losing. Of course, I lost that way to see because not only did the Astros not win, they didn't win in seven, they didn't win in anything. So forget that. But Diamondbacks, wait to see, are winning the World Series. Diamondbacks in seven, wait to see. Baseball's going to get triple seven. Yep, the tattoo. Seven marathons, seven days, seven continents, seven LCS, seven LCS, seven World Series. And the MVP is going to be Corbin Carroll. That is my prediction for this year's World Series. We will have full breakdown and coverage of the fun things that happen that people aren't talking about for games one and two. Game one is tonight, Friday. Game two is tomorrow, Saturday. When I have a pick of the day, I'm going to have a pick for tonight's game. I will not have a pick for tomorrow night's game. Just kidding. Of course I'm picking tomorrow night's game. I'm going to give you two picks, and then we'll recap both games one and two. So last night, there was no basketball. 4-8-69. So last night, there was no baseball. So I was watching basketball. I was just thinking, Coca, what kind of life do we lead as people in the sports entertainment industry, the one night off, 
I did a, a, a preview segment for CBS, so I went into the studio. I come back. I'm actually back in the hotel by 8.30, thinking I've got a night off. I'm so tired. I'm going to maybe watch a movie. I'm going to do something. And, of course, I end up watching basketball. I'm watching the Bucks play. I'm watching Lillard go off for 39 points. I'm watching Heat fans think, oh, my God, we missed this. Pat Riley's a schnook, which he's not. He's a mad genius Hall of Famer. Then, of course, there's a late game, and it's the Lakers against the Suns. And I say to myself, I got to watch LeBron. I have to take advantage of the fact that I can still watch LeBron. And I'm thinking about, where's Booker? Where's Beal? Where's this Troika that's supposed to be the big three in Phoenix? And why is Anthony Davis so bad? And during the Sixers game, I'm watching Lillard and Giannis try to figure out a way to play together, which after a game, of course, they haven't done that. And I'm thinking about the Sixers and Embiid and Maxwell. And I'm wondering, where's Harden? And we talked about Harden yesterday and the fact that he wasn't allowed on the team plane and the fact that Harden was a no-show and that the Sixers were going to get fined. Can we talk about this just one more time, if you don't mind? We're game two of the season, and Devin Booker, Bradley Bill, and James Harden were not playing. NBA has gone out of its way to change their load management rules. They have basically said that we are going to fine owners, that's our plan, up to $100,000. And that's for a first offense if you have your best players not play. It's not the players being fined. It's the owners. The NBA has started an investigation into what the Sixers doing. The NBA spokesman, game one of the Sixers season, had to come out with a statement already. We are looking into the facts around James Harden's availability tonight to determine whether an approved reason exists for his lack of participation. James Harden doesn't want to get fined $350,000 for missing a game, so James Harden missed 10 days of preseason because he doesn't need practice. Preseason, forget it. He's Aaron Rodgers. I don't need to play a game. I'm good. Oh, my Achilles snapped. So James Harden goes to where the team plane leaves. Security says, sorry, you're not allowed on the team plane. That's the story that people are hearing. Team officials had to stop James Harden from getting on the plane to Milwaukee. Can I just... I, I, I've dealt with a lot of things in my career. There is no way that if a player shows up to the team plane that I'm going to have our team security physically stop him from getting on the plane. Are the Sixers actually saying that our best way to find him, our best way to teach him a lesson is to forcefully and embarrassingly not let him on the team plane, that that's somehow going to be helpful? And is James Harden so ridiculous that he knows he's not invited to play in Milwaukee and the team said you're not coming to Milwaukee for a ridiculous reason. We want you to stay in Philly because you have a better chance to rehab and to get yourself into condition with the people we have back in Philadelphia. The Sixers said that it's more efficient to be at the team's practice facility 
to work with the Sixers development coaches and medical staff. It's ridiculous. Basketball teams travel enough trainers. They travel enough assistant coaches. Have you looked at an NBA bench recently? There's two rows of coaches all wearing the same quarter zip. But none of them could help Harden get into game shape after missing 10 days. It's absolute ridiculousness. The fact is the Sixers were trying to paper a trail, set a record that James Harden was physically unable to perform, that he was not ready to perform, and that is why they didn't want him in Milwaukee. But then they have the embarrassing story that they literally stop him from getting on a plane as though they're in the lobby of a LaGuardia and before a Spirit Airlines flight, that there's that level of mayhem. It's preposterous. It makes everyone look bad, including the NBA. You can call it a personal matter if you want, and those are pretty much the rules, that you can miss games for injury, personal reasons, or rare and unusual circumstances. I think saying F you to your team president is likely a rare and unusual circumstance, so maybe that's what the Sixers can use as a reason that Harden didn't play. How can we play a guy who is so blatantly disrespectful to the team president? Personal matters. It came out that James Harden was taking care of his mom, and I'm not impugning Harden if his mom is sick. Okay. That seems a mighty big coinkadink. Of course, I'm not hoping she's sick. Devin Booker has a foot injury. Ouch. Played game one. Didn't look so bad. Didn't want to play game two. Didn't play game two. Lakers season opener. But don't worry. We're getting him an MRI. That'll teach the league that our guy's injured. I can give you a back MRI all day long. I can give you a shoulder MRI, and I'll give you the film. It's ridiculous. So here's what's going to happen. The NBA is going to investigate, and the NBA will have no choice, no choice but to fine the Sixers and the Suns. And the reason they don't have a choice is that it's like when you're disciplining your children. You cannot, I believe it was the Lakers home opener, wasn't it? It was the Lakers home opener, not the season opener, sorry. I misspoke. Thank you, Coca. I don't even remember when I said that. Was that like five minutes ago? Were you in the restroom? You're just telling me that now? It was not 30 seconds ago. I'm not arguing with you. We're doing a show. It's Friday. Coca's grumpy. He has a great weekend ahead of him, and he doesn't want to wait 19 minutes. He wants it now. That's fine. And now I lost my train of thought. Oh, the NBA. Here's why they have to find the Sixers and why they have to find the Suns. As a matter of fact, we're making that another official wait to see. So many wait to sees today. Wait to see Diamondbacks, wait to see Diamondbacks in seven, wait to see Corbin Carroll MVP, and wait to see. The NBA will find the Sixers, the NBA will find the Suns. That's two separate wait to sees. Now, why? Because if they are trying to use the new rules, as a way to show potential broadcast partners, we hear you, we care about you, we want our stars playing. Give us money for these midweek games, for these regular season game 30s, because you're gonna have superstars and our fans like watching superstars. They're going negotiating with the broadcast partners, potential broadcast partners, 
who would sit across the table and say, yeah, your load management, what a crock of crap. What about the Sixers? What about the Suns? And then the NBA will have to say, yeah, but they were injured. There was a foot MRI. There was personal matters. No. They want to be able to say, yep, we're finding owners, and owners are not too happy about it. They're going to have their stars play. Of course, it makes me laugh because it's not going to work at all, as we already see in game two or in some teams game one. Okay. Let's do, where are we, Coca? Ah, let's take a break. Ooh, we come back. We're going to talk about what's going on in Michigan. I've got a few updates for you Jim Harbaugh fans, for you Michigan Wolverine alums, and I've heard from a lot of you. I want to hear you keep defending Jim Harbaugh and continuing to tell me that he has nothing to do with anything bad. I triple dare you. But also, we're going to review a documentary I watched yesterday that potentially changed my life. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday, October 27th, 2023. Thank you for downloading, reviewing, subscribing. More importantly, subscribing, Nothing Personal with David Sampson, YouTube channel. Go to davidsampsonpodcast.com. Guess what's coming next week? Coco, what day are we doing it? There is our third specialty merch drop. All the people who sent me all your pictures, I love you in the wait to seize. Do you like having me on your chest where I'm sort of predicting the future? The future is just business, the horse hockey, the stickers, the shirts, and then the regular Nothing Personal merchandise, like what I'm wearing right now. That's not this side. Oh, it is this side. That's weird. Right there. It's on your left side. 
These are polos that you can wear to work. DavidSampsonPodcast.com. So I watched a movie yesterday, and we have to talk about it, and I'm sorry. I, I want to apologize in advance for this conversation. Not because it's going to be a bad conversation, mind you, because it may change your life. There's a documentary called Poisoned, The Dirty Truth About Your Food. I believe it's on Netflix. So I've watched The Cove, I've watched Food Inc., I've watched Super Size Me. And for about a minute, I say to myself, all right, I'm not going to eat McDonald's three times a day for 30 days. I'm not going to order spicy tuna or regular fatty tuna the next time I get sushi. But you know what? There's got to be a lot of tuna in the world. There just have to be. And is it right that we're catching tuna and eating tuna? I could debate it. We could think about it. We could talk about it. This documentary called Poison, The Dirty Truth About Your Food discusses the fact that we've got governmental entities whose sole job is to protect us from botulism. Their sole job is to check processes at slaughterhouses. Side note, read Upton Sinclair, The Jungle, please, if you haven't read that about the Chicago slaughterhouses. These governmental entities, and for those of you who like anarchy, who don't want to have any sort of government involvement at all, too much government, that's fine. Grow your own food, slaughter your own cattle, grow your own chickens, whatever you want to do, up to you. Be a vegan. Here's the thing about farmers. I, I love farmers. I love farming. I don't love doing it. I love the fact that it exists as an industry. It exists as a profession. I mean, how can you not appreciate people who grow corn on the cob that you can eat in August? I appreciate all that. I don't love the fact that certain of our lettuce plants are being watered and irrigated by sprinklers that are getting their water from pools of water that have cow crap in it. Don't love that. I don't love exactly what people do to get eggs from chickens. I don't love exactly how cows are slaughtered and then what exactly we're eating. I'm not saying you're going to eat a hot dog again or not eat a hot dog again. I'm just saying you may not. I'm not saying you're going to never eat an egg again, but you may not. I'm not saying you're never going to have chicken again, but you may not. I'm not going to say you're not going to have a filet again, but you may not. Now, what you're going to say is I don't want to watch it because I don't want to know. And I understand the ostrich in the head to, in the sand defense. Absolutely. It is way easier to go about your life and not think about things that interrupt your way that require sacrifice, that take away pleasures that you have, or it changes your life for a minute. It's like, here's what I thought of watching this movie. When I get sick, I always say to myself, I'm gonna sleep more, I'm gonna rest more, I'm gonna eat better, I'm gonna take care of myself. I'm never gonna take my health for granted again. And then you feel better for two days in a row and you're right back doing the same things you did. Pulling all-nighters, parting your took us off. We all do this. So when you watch a movie like Poisoned, The Dirty Truth About Your Food, and you think about these governmental entities who are not protecting you in any way, shape, or form, you're going to say to yourself, all right, 
I'm going to skip the turkey sandwich and I'm going to have the veggie sandwich, but maybe only today. Let's see what happens tomorrow. And then two days passes, three days pass, four days pass, and you're back to doing what you were doing. I'm now in the stage where I'm not doing what I was doing because I just watched the movie. And if I don't have taste or smell, why don't I just keep actually following through? So the poison, the dirty truth about your food, it's a cautionary tale. If you want to keep living your life the way you're living it, don't watch it. If you want to learn something, watch it. Do you know who never learns ever? Jim Harbaugh. How does Jim Harbaugh is made of Teflon? He's the Michael Jordan of college football. There is still belief amongst alums at Michigan and lovers of the Wolverines that he had no idea that there was a $55,000 a year employee who was going around buying tickets, going to scout teams in the Big Ten, and then coming back to Michigan games and sitting in a place at those games or causing someone to sit in a place at those games, giving signals and helping out Michigan in what is becoming the biggest sign-stealing scandal this side of the garbage cans. And in many ways, I would argue this is worse. What Michigan has in common with the Astros is that the head coach is currently telling you, I had no idea. Of course, later, A.J. Hinch acknowledged he knew, but thought he had put an end to it, and then didn't pay attention when it wasn't put an end to. And of course, that's wrong. But A.J. Hinch did get fired, but got another chance to manage with the Detroit Tigers, where he's currently the manager. If Jim Harbaugh is going to continue with his lie, is he not going to get a chance in the NFL, which is really what he's wanted the whole time? Is there any way that Michigan keeps him as the head coach when there is someone who is so unwilling to be truthful? There is no way that the head coach was not aware that signs were being stolen, that someone was going to get these signs from road games, that it was a violation of the rule, and that they were benefiting from this action. There is no way. So this guy, Connor Stallions, is now being investigated. The Wolverines are now being investigated. The NCAA has commenced their investigation, which means they start taking computers, they start going through emails, they start going through travel records, they start looking at game tape and saying, wow, I'm looking at a guy make a sign, and then all of a sudden the defense is able to do this, yet the Wolverines lost this game, they won this game, they knew that play, they didn't know that play. It is virtually impossible. It's like the Yankees or the Dodgers proving to you that the Astros garbage can led to the Astros winning the World Series and the pennant that year. When you watch documentaries about the Astros, they talk about this pitcher who the Astros were stealing signs and banging garbage cans and he was called up to pitch and then he got rocked and then he got sent down and it was the end of his career. Do you remember me telling you how ridiculous that is? Because why would it be the end of his career? Because if you're good enough, you get, the, you get another try and then you're fine but it's a good excuse for players who are good, but not good enough. 
on the Michigan side, this investigation that is commenced is going to take forever. We are months away from the college football playoff. They can't get the investigation done in time. So for those of you who think that Michigan is going to lose its spot, I think they're the number two ranked team, Coke. Is that right? Nothing is going to change this season. The investigation won't be completed. The FBI is involved in the investigation, which makes me smile. The reason why you want to get authorities involved in your investigations, if you're a league or you're an entity, is MLB can investigate all they want. Guess what? They don't have subpoena powers. The FBI, guess what? They have subpoena powers. So the FBI was tipped off and the NCA was tipped off to this sign stealing. Apparently they were tipped off like 10 days ago and they've started this immediate investigation and it's gonna be very interesting to me what they find and how they find it and what they do once they have. So I'm wondering exactly how it's gonna work. So you look at a computer you retrace the steps. You prove through StubHub that Connor was at all these games. What's the crime? What's the interstate commerce crime? A lot of articles yesterday, and this is not me defending Jim Harbaugh, not happening. But what's the exact crime where the FBI needs to get involved? I can't wait to figure out exactly what it is. So the FBI, why, it's not, no, the FBI, Coca, I don't believe, no, but that staffer, it's all related. I believe the FBI is related. It's that guy, Matt Weiss. I believe the police department is talking about it's off-campus scouting. Yes. Oh, it's, oh, God, hold on. Time out. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. This is a David Sampson Friday 840 brain fart. Let me clarify right now. There are two different things going on at Michigan. The FBI was called and they're involved in something unrelated to Connor. The NCAA has started their investigation into the sign stealing. And meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh has the third issue about what he did during COVID. There are three different things that are happening at Michigan. I'm not focused on the FBI and their subpoena power. I am not focused on what Jim Harbaugh during COVID. I'm focused on sign stealing and how that is being written about and how people are trying to decide when the investigation is going to be over and what the impact is going to be to Jim Harbaugh. And the point of what I was trying to make, the segment that I'm trying to do is that Jim Harbaugh and his continued position of lack of knowledge of things going on in his program is reason enough to terminate him for cause. We've seen college coaches, and now I'm finally getting to where I needed to get to, Coca. We have seen college coaches who have lost their job, Tucker at MSU, for sexual assault, for sexual harassment, for things that have gone on in their program, Fitzgerald at Northwestern. We've seen tons of examples where the NCAA and member schools are willing to hold people accountable, not because they knew, because they should have known. And so, like Mel Tucker, Michigan State is the example, Fitzgerald at Northwestern, and now Harbaugh at Michigan. 
it doesn't matter. Harbaugh's defense can't be. And the guy at Yahoo, what's what's his name, Coca, please? Dan Wetzel of Yahoo said that there's no evidence that has emerged implicating Jim Harbaugh directly or showing he had knowledge of Michigan's alleged in-person scouting operation. But that can't stick. So the NCAA is going to have to make a decision on how they punish Jim Harbaugh. And if you're Harbaugh's attorneys or Harbaugh's representatives, you'd like to get satisfaction on all of the investigations involving Michigan and Harbaugh because it's not double jeopardy when there's different crimes, but it would be nice if it were not hanging over Harbaugh's head as he decides, am I staying in Michigan? Am I going to the NFL? What is my future? And what I'd like to see happen is that Jim Harbaugh is off the sidelines. Because when you have a situation where he has gotten as much negative attention as he's gotten, has done enough nefarious activities at all levels of a program, why would an NFL team want to bring him in? Why would any college campus want to have him on their campus? Isn't it enough? But David, he's only been accused. He hasn't been convicted. It hasn't been proven that he did it. Fine. I'll wait for the proof. Happy to do it. I'm not giving you my seventh wait to see on this topic. I absolutely refuse to. That said, Harbaugh's got a problem. All right, let me give you my picks for the weekend before we go. How did we do yesterday? Bills, eight and a half over the Bucks. Everybody said the Bills were going to crush, and the minute I heard everyone at CBS predicting the Bills were crushing, it occurred to me that I may have a problem, and I did, and it started with the back door. The Buccaneers lost the game, but did a backdoor touchdown and lost, I believe, 24 to 18, therefore not covering that's a loss. The Bucs were up 113-104. They're going to cover the six. The final score is Bucks by one. We lost. We're back to 500. It is October 27th, and we are 156 and 156. I have three picks for you. Game one of the World Series. Haven't predicted it yet. Diamondbacks in seven. That means the Rangers have to win three for me to have that right. The Rangers are going to win game one. Evaldi against Gallon. Gallon is not as good on the road. I'm not pleased with how he's performed so far in this year's playoffs. He's due for a good start. But Evaldi, you cannot deny his postseason results. It's a bit heavy at 170, but we're taking the Rangers. Saturday, we've got Zion Williamson and the Knicks playing. The Knicks coming off their four-point loss to the Celtics. Zion Williamson, the Pelicans won a game. Zion Williamson is no longer the cream of the crop, no longer one of the top five players in the NBA, not even close. The Knicks are decent, not great, but I'm just not a Pelicans guy. We're taking the Knicks over the Pelicans on Saturday, and then we get to the big game on Sunday in the National Football League. Aaron Rodgers and the Jets is playing against Eli Manning and the Giants. It is amazing to have a Giants and Jets game like this. The Giants are getting two and a half points, which is how it should be, because obviously Rodgers is better than Manning. Giants plus two and a half over Jets is the pick on Sunday. So we've got Rangers in game one. We have Knicks over Pelicans on Saturday. We have Giants plus two and a half over the Jets. And we have the bonus pick, which is not smart to do, but I'm going to do it. Game two of the World Series, not announced, but it's going to be Jordan Montgomery 
against Merrick, Merrill Kelly. If the Rangers win game one, they're not going to go up 2 nothing. The Diamondbacks are going to win game two. So I'm going with the Diamondbacks in game two. You likely don't have a line yet. You likely don't have starting pitchers yet, but you're going to. And I promise you, it's going to be Kelly. And if you haven't watched him, watch him. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back Monday, live, 8 a.m. Let's be careful out there because it's just business. This is nothing personal.